0: The Climate Change Commission today released its final advice to the government on how to clamp down on greenhouse gas. Updated modelling shows our emissions are higher than first thought. Got a pretty tough road to meet those 2050 targets. To discuss this further, we're joined by Dave Frame, Professor of Climate Change at Victoria University. A very good afternoon to you, Professor. Good afternoon. Hi. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. So what you've seen this report, I I, I read an interesting story from your good self about it. There's a, a number of gaping holes in the latest report.
1: Well, I think they've had a hard job. Uh, they're a you know, fairly small body, and they're trying to write um, a report that goes across a whole bunch of different sectors, from transport and agriculture to heat and energy systems. So it's a pretty huge brief, and really, the, a lot of the holes are where uh, many of them are in the, in the sort of within the sectors where you have some claim about how much emissions need to drop, but no clear integrated pathway for achieving those emissions reductions. Uh, there is there is a particular problem with how they continue to talk about the comparison of greenhouse, different greenhouse gases like methane and CO2, yeah. um, which is sort of a separate one.
0: What is the biggest difference between methane and CO2?
1: Oh, um, CO2 accumulates, so that's actually where the logic of carbon budgets come from. Um, I was on some of the first papers internationally on this work, and um, the reason that we, have, we talk about carbon budgets is because it turns out that the total CO2 you emit, the total carbon dioxide you emit over time, determines the warming. Um, but that logic doesn't apply to methane because methane is a short-lived gas. Mm. So its effects on warming tend to follow just simply the annual emissions year on year. So the budget, the, the logic of climate budgets applies to long-lived gases, but not so much to short-lived gases. Um, sensibly, we have a split gas target. We have one target for short-lived gases and one for long-lived gases. But um, this report kind of um, flubs that uh, distinction in a few places, and it's it's not as clear as it could be. And I don't I don't think they've done a great job on that score.
0: So, given what you've just said, then should there be a greater urgency on transport emissions rather than the agricultural sector?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think and I think transport um, there is actually. An increasingly strong focus on transport and that's something i think they've done quite well uh for a long time transport emissions flew below the radar and they've been an increasing share of our emissions um and uh it's good that they're getting more attention but i think um and they have some very precise targets within the report for how they think things like cycling and uh and walking and public transport and easy uptake will will go, but I, I, I didn't get a sense reading the report of a clear pathway to make mm. those very precise numerical goals a reality.
2: Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, which leads to the burning question, I suppose, for those of us that are, are totally not experts in the field, are these recommendations and these aims, do you think they are, they are actually achievable? Um,
1: I think, uh, well, that remains to be seen, I guess. Um, they have to be achievable economically and they have to be achievable socially and achievable politically and transport's a good example that it's it, you can impose a bunch of changes but actually end up with huge huge equity issues because for instance you have wellington and auckland uh, quite a few rich middle-class people who can walk to work in the morning but then people um who clean buildings and have uh, much more kind of traditional blue collar roles who have to drive much further for whom transport is a much larger yeah. part of their life yes and uh to address transport emissions will fall disproportionately on them. So so you've kind of got to take a comprehensive approach that, that brings everyone with you. And I think the Governor is aware of some of the scale around that. But in this report, they talk quite a lot about the kind of carrots, the EV subsidies, investments in public transport, cycleways, but less about the sticks uh, and less about tax and benefit reform, which... To achieve um, changes on the scale, I think would be would probably have to be part of your plan.
0: Excellent point.
2: One of the things that the prime minister has talked about is about what are described as basically large savings. That if we manage to do these things, we will we will hugely benefit the country's economy. Where and where actually? Because it's I'm not an economist, so it's difficult for me to work out if we do do these things. Where are the savings? Where do, where does where do the yeah. monetary benefits come from?
1: Well, uh, some of them we efficiency savings, having to pay less uh, in terms of fuel, right, um, and things like that. But, Power. but it's certainly there's certainly um, benefits that people are advertising, but without, you know, I've only seen the report for a few hours, right. um, without a comprehensive review of the economics of the thing. It's
0: it's very hard to assess those those claims. Yeah, and you know, I, yeah, I hate politicising these things because you know everybody falls on one side of the fence or the other. But you'd have to agree that the government has been sort of sure on detail with a number of their projects, and this would seem yeah. to be the latest. Yeah, I'll look, absolutely. At, yeah, and can I ask you this question too, Dave? I would have thought with a big report like this coming from the Climate Commission, they would have consulted, you know, climate scientists and the you know the International Panel on Climate Change. But that didn't happen.
1: No, they seem to have relied more on uh, overseas experts, and I, it's kind of um, they seem to treat uh, European expertise as uh, somehow more relevant to New Zealand than New Zealand expertise, which is I, I find odd. But um, you know, it's their choice, and it may that may be a capacity constraint that they lack they lack the bandwidth to engage with uh, with the research community, perhaps, or something like that. I'm not quite sure why that's happened. Mm. I do think it's a bit of a missed opportunity. Right. Um, they, are, they are a small organisation, so um, you know, they, they can't do everything, but it, it certainly, as someone who's written a fair bit on carbon budgets, it certainly surprised me that they, they, uh, they didn't really kind of chat to the, uh, the scientists.
0: Yeah, that's the thing for me too, that given there's so much at stake, and it's going to impact on every single Kiwi, and as Jacinda Ardern said, this is for the next generation, not just this current one, that why yeah. would they not talk to you guys that are the experts putting all this together?
1: Yeah, well, well, I I don't know. I, I'm not well placed to answer that. But no. um, but I think you know if we see it as one one step in a in in, in a whole chain of different carbon budgets and um, mm. efforts to push us along the road to a low carbon future, then then I think you can kind of give that. You know, you can say, well, okay, that's not ideal, but you fix it next time. So so I wouldn't want to. You know, it, it's it's. Um, I think it makes it hard to assess the realism of the changes to New Zealand if you don't get New Zealand experts involved yeah. in it. But yeah. um, but it's certainly you know something that you could that that, um, that could be fixed in the
2: future. Right, Dave. One of the things, just a very leading last question from me, please, is one of the things that always happens whenever we discuss climate change on air. We get we be not exactly a flood, but quite a lot of text messages saying, "Well, you know, we all know that Al Gore invented climate change. There's no such thing." in the scientific community now roughly how, how what percentage would you say of the world scientific community now agrees that climate change is a real issue so, uh,
1: overwhelming overwhelmingly um, scientists agree that climate change is a problem and within the people who look who work on atmospheric physics and the really core disciplines of um associated with climate change it's it's you know pretty much a universally held view that climate change is real great um and i i don't meet um i haven't met an informed climate skeptic um for 15 20 years
0: right two very quick things to finish and kind of yes or no dave and we're really grateful for you and your expertise as a professor on this can we, a very small country like New Zealand, does it make any difference at all, if we, even if we meet these targets? Are we going to make any difference to the global emissions?
1: I think um, that, that argument can be deployed by every country in the world. I think as part of providing a global collective public good of achieving a stable climate, we absolutely have to play our role. Right. Um, but, but it has to be commensurate with our capabilities and it has to be aware of our limitations.
0: Excellent qualification. And finally, can we stop climate change or is it actually too late in your view?
1: No, we can stop it because every tonne of carbon dioxide counts. That goes back to the that cumulative point about the cumulative emissions of carbon dioxide determining the warming. We absolutely can stop the, the, um, the rising temperatures if we, the, if we get to the point where we're not emitting more CO2 than, than the um, Earth is pulling down.
0: Brilliant to chat with you, David. Thank you. Thanks so much for all your time.
1: Great. Thanks very much. Take for care. Me.
0: Dave Frame, Professor of Climate Change at Victoria University. Look up his credentials, they're as long as your arm. It's wow. incredible.